Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of East West Draftcast. My name is Greg. I am one of your hosts, and joining me today is—I uh, mean, you're not even really a guest host anymore, are you? You're just kind of well, the third host. Is this how we're breaking the news to Jeff? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he refuses to play magic, so I mean, he's—he's he's out as of right now. Yeah. I mean, life is refusing him to play that's, magic, right? That's true. It's, like uh, all kidding aside, uh, we 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 miss Jeff, and he is going to contribute to this podcast in a small way. Uh, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Anyway, uh, Ryan Hogan, welcome, welcome back. Thanks, man. Good yeah. to be. Today we're just going to dive into some M13, and we're going to kick it old school. Do a bunch of segments. We got pick a card lists. We got risers and fallers. I may even have to explain what these things are because it's been so long since we've done it. But with that said, you have anything you want to jump into before we get going, Ryan? Before we go into those? No, just um, I'm really thankful that we're not playing AVR anymore. <laughs> I mean, has anyone ever been so stoked to play a core set after a, a pretty decent block as it was? I think well, a, I think a lot of people feel block. that way. Yeah. I liked AVR more than a lot of people, but yeah, even I'm pretty appreciative of this new format. I, I do think this is the best core set for draft they've ever released. Yeah. And that's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's a... Uh, I would love to play M11 again. I remember that one pretty fondly. M12 yeah. being a bit more simple and a bit more aggro, while M11 had some some complexities. Let you dirtle around with green by fixing everything and splashing a bunch of bomb uncommons. And it's wasn't kind of my cup of tea. Wasn't white blue just a little too good in M11, or was that M10? I remember the blue white um, deck being really like just kind of head and shoulders above every other strategy in one of the core sets. I can't remember which it was, but. Uh, if it was head and shoulders above everything else, I was probably not drafted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I have challenge in life. Anyway, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's start with some pick card lists. And actually, what I'm going to do is I asked Jeff to send in a couple pick card oh, lists. Perfect. So we got we're going to start start with his. Um, he's got an M13 list and an MTGO cube list. Okay. Um, so the way this works is we have like a list of cards. I think on Jeff's list there are eight cards, and I'm going to put two of them head-to-head, and then we're going to discuss which card we would take. Ryan might choose something different than I am, uh, and then after that we move on to the next card. So, like, we take the winner of that first pairing, and we match that up against the next card on the list, and go on until there's, like, one card that we've picked over all the other cards on the list. Um, so Sounds good. Yeah. Pick a card. Acidic Slime or Chronomaton? I would take the Acidic Slime. I would take the Acidic Slime and... Although I hesitated right there saying it, I don't think I would hesitate in the draft. I have a preference towards green, and I think it's probably the strongest color right now, from what I can tell. And Acidic Slime, in a format where you have also as one of the best uncommons, the Primadox, um, yeah, you can really flip the pig. And for anyone that actually knows that reference, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great episode. Yeah, just destroying a land a turn would be pretty much my dream in terms of just ruining someone's day. So, um, so you talked about your preference for green, and we were chatting a little bit of, a little bit about this before we started. Uh, green, you think green is the best color? As of right now, I think it's the best color. Now, I, do I you think see... that has to do with the fact that maybe people aren't used to green being good in a core set, and therefore aren't drafting it as heavily as maybe they should? Yeah, that's that's possible. Green is definitely it's doing things in this core set that it's never done before in a core set. I mean, since Prey Upon got printed in the last block and then is moved into core set and which is which is great. I That's think sweet. that should be the staple green removal ability. And it's hard to imagine how green could possibly get a better uh, removal spell when you're talking about a one mana instant speed. It's like, sorcery those, speed. Oh, excuse me, one mana sorcery speed. But still one mana is a big deal. Like it's very cheap and it's very green, you know, it makes the creatures fight like it's not Always a, a full on removal spell, but you can usually get some value off of it. Yeah, yeah. Flavor wise, I mean, especially with the colors or with the cards in green in this format being considerably bigger than everything else, where you're not, there's not, uh, seeing white. Where do they where do they peek out at? The Crusader of Audric could be yeah. their potentially biggest card. They don't have a Siege Mastodon. They have Prized Elephant and Uncommon mm-hmm. and the Sarah and Uncommon. And even the Prized Elephant is kind of just a green card anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh. Just a red. Red is particularly small, too, outside of Fire Elemental. They don't have yep. much size. Black has got the Zombie Goliath, not much size otherwise. Like There's there's so many small creatures as the format is slightly more aggro that prey upon with any decently sized green creature where you're going to be able to get 3-3s three and 4-4s four very easily, mm-hmm. especially when you got 
a house like the Sentinel Spider at uh, at Common. And even the just, is even really... just Centaur Courser, the three yeah. three spot. So and yeah. Arbor Elf to power all those things out one turn earlier than than normal. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, going on the tangent of how much we love green. Yeah, green green is very good in M thirteen. Uh, but so I mean, you're taking the acidic slime. I I think if this were a pick one pack one situation. I'd probably do the same thing and try and get into green, but yeah. I couldn't fault anybody for taking the chronomaton and, you know, staying open as far yeah. as, like, what colors they wanted to be in. I think there's been formats before where one color was so just egregiously bad compared to the other ones that even when you have something like Acidic Slime, which is going to be a two-for-one in some form or another, that you might not even want it because you want to avoid that color. I know people were saying, God, at the beginning of... AVR with black, where barter blood was going you know, <laughs> fourth or something pick, and it's goddamn barter and blood. And yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see you not taking the two for one if you thought the color was poor and it wasn't what you wanted to get into. But when commi- it is committing, yeah, yeah, committing to or not committing, but trying to get into a color that's already strong, getting the two for one, getting something that's easily abusable with one of the best uncommons and the kind of green deck that. You can actually draft, where you're not just curving and curving out and beating up people. You can actually dirtle around with prima docs yeah. you know, ad nauseum, which is yeah, living the dream. Yeah, this is yeah. this is a, a golden a golden era for green drafters. So, All right, well let's let's keep going. Yeah. I, we digressed slime. a little bit there. <laughs> so uh, pick a card: acidic slime or cower in fear. I would still take the acidic slime. I'm not entirely sure how good cower fear is against against every deck. Um, it's not that good against green, as like yeah. we kind of expressed how all the creatures in green are often bigger than every other colors. Yeah, I mean, what does it eat in green? It uh, eats an arbor elf, and you get a visionary. Yeah, but the visionary I mean, like, they've already drawn a card yeah. off of it. Like you're not really gaining anything there, except for like removing one of their chump blockers. And that is an instant. Fairly sure about. Yeah, this no, coward so, is, and it you is know, as a combat trick is probably where it's at its best. It's not just eating a creature outright, you know, being uh, mm-hmm. a shrivel or something like that. It's really the the minus one on the power could be just as relevant as the minus one on the toughness when you're talking about combat. Yeah, I think and, it's more of a combat trick than just yeah, like a, a mini sweeper. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think definitely. the X1s in this format, I mean, while there are a fair number of them between, like, soldier tokens in white... The, uh, the, the knights rummage, in white and black. Yeah, right? the knights, rummaging goblin, like, cards... There, there are enough one-toughness... I guess targets, yeah. even though this is an untargeted spell. Yeah, it's pretty much all black. Cards, the card, <laughs> yeah, the card is very good. I just think that the acidic slime has got the edge for me based on color preference, and that's all. That's all there is to yeah. it. Black is actually my second favorite color right now. I keep on ending up green and black, so maybe I should reevaluate that card. But I haven't felt like in the kind of combats that I've been having, there's a typical situation of a swarm of my creatures versus a swarm of their creatures, mm-hmm. where the minus one minus one is really going to be terribly better than, say, just a Titanic growth yeah. or something of the like. I haven't played black yet in this format. I've always really? ended up in red, blue, green, and white, okay. as strange as that is. Um, I should make an effort to draft a black deck soon and kind of get a better feel for the cards, because I haven't played with this card yet. I do think that it is inherently powerful, and I could, again, I could see somebody justifying picking it over Acidic yeah. Slime. I just don't know if I would make that pick right now, just based on color preference. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, pick a card, Acidic Slime, or Furnace Wealth. Or Furnace Wealth. Yeah, it's going to have to be Acidic Slime right now. And this is, uh, I mean, I've seen Furnace Wealth. I've been on both sides of Furnace Wealth, just randomly getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, as I've paired up red with other colors, I haven't been terribly heavy red. I haven't been base red but once right now. Mm-hmm. And if I'm pairing red with green, there's such a, a glut of good creatures in green and good creatures at the four-drop spot, that the wealth has been second-tier just because of mana considerations, and that with a lot of the green cards, like going back to what I said before, they're so significantly bigger than other cards. They're not unblockable, but depending on how aggro your turn is, or aggro your uh, your curve is, they could be functionally unblockable with one good removal spell. So Yeah. I think my problem with the Furnace Wealth is that you're paying four mana for a two-toughness flyer. I, I understand, like, that he's very powerful on offense if you can pump him a couple times, but the fact that it trades with a Talran's Invocation Token or a Windrake for one more... Or a Sentinel. Col- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't like it as much, and it's probably my least favorite card so far, so I'm going to stay with the yeah. Slime as well. Same here. Same here. Uh, all right, so Slime or Healer of the Pride? Oh, God. Healer of the Pride. 
Yeah, not speaking not, of not speaking him. of dirtily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, actually the first deck I drafted, which you were there for, was um, it was unfortunately a six pot, and I got a, <laughs> a double faith mender, double healers, double intrepid hero, and uh, which isn't relevant to the life gain, but um, double elixir of immortality. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate goal was just to, uh, uh, it was a Bant deck, just draw as many cards as possible off Divinations and thin the decks with uh, Farseeks and the like, and uh, somehow just... It was form kind of, it was a mill deck without any milling cards in it, because yeah. all, all you tried to do was gain a bunch of life and not die, while your opponent just drew their whole deck. And this is, this is clearly <laughs> not a winning strategy. No. But, um... Yeah, I had some other winning strategies before the draft started. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, you, you got there in some games, but other games you're just like, I'll gain some life, I'll gain some life, I'll thin yeah. my deck. I'm at 50 and they've played, yeah. you know, half, anything. Yeah, <laughs> half their deck. Oh, man. Um, yeah. All right, so I don't think either of us have taken the healer. I do like the card, but uh, this now is the my least favorite card on the list. Uh, yeah, that's... Even worse than Furnace Wall, I think. So worst of the best. Yeah, I, I don't know about between that and Welp. I don't even know if that's terribly important. It isn't, okay. but I mean that's a pick you could see. I guess is if you had to choose between the two in a red white deck, it kind of just depends on what you want to do. I guess if you want to be the deck that gains life and turtles, or if you want to be the deck that attacks for four in the air every turn. Yeah. You know, uh, let's let's keep going. We got a lot of yeah cards to get through. Uh, Acidic slime or Knight of Infamy, which is the, the black, black exalted knight with protection from white. Yeah, I think that card is actually pretty amazing. I um, forced the black-white uh, Exalted deck. I, mean, I shouldn't say more or less forced. I mean, opened an Intrepid Hero and got some a slew of good Exalted white creatures in a row and didn't have an incentive to steer out of it. So kind of fell in fell into it, didn't force. But mm-hmm. but yeah, just um, any low-drop Exalted creature has gone way up in my book. Uh, especially, I think, Duty Bound Dead is... On the radar for everybody. Is That's being, the regenerator. Yeah, the yeah, regenerator that guy is solid. One. Yeah, that guy is, yeah, just legitimately good. Legitimately a very good card. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, do you take it over the acidic slime? No, it's just preference right now because of being slightly unfamiliar with that with that deck. Um, I would still, yeah, I would still take the slime. I would still take the slime rather than just an efficient aggressive creature, a very efficient aggressive creature as it is, and with an ability that. It really surprised me how good Exalted has been in this format. How relevant is being aggressive to you in this in this format so far? Do you find that you want to be an aggro deck, or do you want to be a more plotting, controlling deck in M13 draft? Well, I want to be green, and <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on you know it depends on some of the picks. I've been taking Arbor Elves over Sentinel Spiders a lot of the time, so I guess that alone probably says that I'm trying to be. A bit more aggro. Okay. If I'm just, I've been taking a glut of early drops, just whenever possible. The timber pack wolves, or I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, the ones that pump each yeah, other. Yeah, the ones that grow. I've been taking that pretty early over later green drops, arbor elves over later green drops. Like this being said, Sentinel Spider seems like just an absolutely amazing card. Yeah, I wouldn't and take I'd probably. I wouldn't take the wolf over Sentinel Spider most times. Early in uh, early in pack one. Yeah, I mean def- pack pack two or something. I've got no wolves. Maybe think different. The, the fact that it, every but. every color has a grizzly bear of some sort makes me think that I can get away with passing one grizzly bear to take the first sentinel spider at the very least. Now this yeah. now this if it came to the same pick again, where I had to choose between the second spider and the first wolf, I might think differently. Mm-hmm. Try and pick based on curve, but um, okay. You know, I I'm just wondering, like, do you want to be aggro in this format? I can't tell yet. I don't think I've played it enough. And second of all, like, if you do want to be aggro, is black the color you want to be in? And I understand that Black has a bunch of Exalted Dudes and Tormented Souls, but beyond that, I don't know how aggressive that color actually is in this format. It seems a little more controlling to me, but hmm. I could be wrong about that. What's the? Uh, what are the cards that make you think it's controlling? Well, first of all, Murder. Just the premier removal in the set okay. is in Black, and it's a pretty reactive spell. You end up wanting to leave up three mana on your opponent's turn to cast it a lot of the time. And I think that, I mean, you can be proactive with it. You can be like, get that blocker out of there. I'm getting in. Yeah. But I just, when I think of the black creatures, they don't scream aggro to me. Like, I understand they have the Servant of Nephrox, which is a 3-1 Exalted. Yeah. And that guy seems fine. But at the same time, Duty Bound Dead is a card that will, Exalted in general, let me kind of 
back up a little bit. Exalted in general, which is what Black seems to do in this set. Yeah, as an aggro ability. I I kind of think it's more of a controlling ability, to be honest with you. Exalted? Yeah, well, not necessarily like that it makes you play slower, but that you kind of... You commit only to one attacker every turn, and if your opponent has jump blocks, or... I mean, it's kind of a grindy sort of attack to me. Does that make sense? Grinding in that... If you have, I mean, if you have a guy that's blockable, in my experience, you don't usually swing with a creature that's blockable. Yeah. And in that case, it's like you have to have no what, no soul, no Aven. That's fair. Well, uh, let me let me put it this way: are irrelevant. We we can talk about exalted as as an aggressive uh, mechanic, and it, and it is. I mean, I I will not deny that. I just what I'm saying is when I think of an aggressive deck, I think of playing a lot of creatures, particularly in, in green or white or red, mm-hmm. and just turning them all sideways and kind of putting my opponent on, on his back foot that way, as opposed to kind of having one uber threat that just kind of goes every turn. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little easier to disrupt, and I think you have to play a little more careful if you're going to do that, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely easier to disrupt. There's just not a terrible amount of instant speed removal. In this format, so, although, of course, like, when you're putting all your eggs in one basket, it's easier to disrupt. At least this format doesn't lend itself towards disrupting it. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know, like, it's, I I don't think it's necessarily, like, a super aggressive, like, a hyper-aggressive mechanic, necessarily. I guess that's what I'm really trying to say. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. We're we're digressing again. So, did you take the Knight or the Acidic Slime? I'm sorry. I'm still taking the Acidic Slime. Yeah, I think I am, too. Um, I do like the knight, though. And if I were trying to get into an aggressive deck, I think I would take the knight. That card just seems really good if you want to beat mm-hmm. down. Um, yeah, the rings are the rings are actually decent in this format. Every ring has seemed very good. The blue ones, sometimes less than others. But I think why, why are we talking about the rings? It's going to just, you know, two acidic slimes horn a little bit more. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it's got a fair amount of relevant, irrelevant targets. Oh, yeah, okay. All format, right, gotcha, gotcha. As opposed to other ones where... Maybe the the artifacts weren't as prominent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. between that, yeah. So, uh, Acidic Slime or Roaring Primadox. Now you must choose. Ah, uh, jeez. That's tough. I'm taking the Slime. I don't think it's that close. You're taking the Slime and you don't think it's that close? Yeah. Just because I've seen too many games I'm where the... I'm taking the, the Primadox. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. I've seen too many games where the Primadox is a liability. Mm-hmm. You know? I've seen t- enough games where... It ties up your mana, or you just don't have a relevant thing to bounce back to your hand. And I understand that you should be building your deck to take advantage of the Primadox if you're going to play it. Yeah. Like, if you don't have a, a Visionary, a Von Beetle, you have a Force Mage, and an Acidic Slime, like, you probably shouldn't be playing the Primadox unless yeah. you have some and combination that's just of those stuff cards. green that you can have, too. Yeah. So. so, I don't know. I think that the Acidic Slime is a more consistent card. It's always a two for one, whereas mm-hmm. Primadox can often be a liability. Where, okay. Does that make sense? It definitely can be. To me, the card does it all. And yeah, I've I've seen it be a liability before too. I've seen it uh twice, three times, where someone played it and they played it at the risky board state where they just had one creature. And mm-hmm. someone just was able to kill off that one creature, not the Prima Docs, and then they've just you know, essentially Yeah blanked their turn. So It is very so yeah. I will admit it's very good against the blue and white removal, i.e. encrust yeah. and pacifism. Yeah. Like, it just shuts those cards down, which or, is which is pretty sweet. Yeah, which is part of what Acidic Slime does. I mean, Acidic yeah. Slime gets the O-Ring as well, and mm-hmm. the random staff or trading post or sands. I mean, if you need to blow up the post. Or, or like you said, one of the rings. All and the those rings. Are, those yeah, are all pretty playable. Those are all, yeah, very legitimate. But yeah, the Prima Dox is the, Prima Dox is the enabler for a bunch of really abusive things. And yeah, the Acidic Slime is probably the safer... I don't even know if it's the safer pick, to tell you the truth. It, it, Prima Dox is still 4-4-4. Four, four, four. It can be and get value. It can pretty much be whatever you need it to be in the deck. Does the mana cost, not necessarily 4 versus 5, but single green versus double green factor into your decision at all? Not right now, just because I've never splashed like Prima Dox or some combination. I've never splashed like Prima Dox Spray Upon or Prima Dox Pack Leader and then been two other base colors, just because mm-hmm. I usually don't, don't splash the green and usually green splashing something else, just because of you know, you get Farseek as well as Evolving Wilds and not just the Wilds. Right. And, okay. Uh, well, you're taking the Prima Dox, I'm taking the Slime. Uh, and now, last card, Prima Dox or Switcheroo? Oh, shit. 
I think I would take Switcheroo. So would I. Okay. <laughs> it, it feels close enough to control magic in this format that it's so time. much better than I thought it was, and we'll, we'll, uh, I'll get into that later. But yeah, I don't. I don't think that Switcheroo is that much worse than Mind Control was, and often it is better if you have an Unsummon in your hand. Or a Sweet Archaeomancer. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of ways that it's... There are plenty of ways to take advantage of it. I yeah. mean, Switcheroo with a, a Chandra out and doubling it, like, have you done that before? I've done Switcheroo into Archaeomancer. Oh, and that was, that was a And you're like, Here, here's my one-two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take their best creature. <laughs> Can you trade in any worse creature? Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Trading, I, trading Visionary has been my favorite trade so far, yeah. where you've already, already drawn the card and you're giving him I think we talked about the time when I traded, uh, what is it, Furnace Whelp, the O one Fire Breather. Oh, uh, to, to an opponent Dragon that, Hatchling. yeah, Dragon Hatchling, to uh, a creature or to a player that was not playing red. Oh. That was a pretty sweet switcher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt so nasty doing that. I didn't, even, I didn't even trade it for something good. I think I traded it for uh, one of those two three life gain cards, the Healer of the Pride. Okay, but I mean, I've I've traded like one ones for. Uh, Audric before with Switcheroo. And again, like, I don't want to be too results oriented with this card, but I found that it's, you always want to cast it. There's always mm -hmm. one creature your opponent has that is better than one of the creatures you have. And if there isn't, then you don't need to play it because you're already winning. Mm -hmm. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, it's just such a powerful effect, even though you're giving a creature up every time. But yeah. I don't think that. I mean, plus the fact that it's splashable. Like, you could play... I, I would definitely splash for Switcheroo in this format. And I don't think... I think that's the card that's head and shoulders above the rest of the cards on this list. Mm -hmm. I think that Slime and Chronomaton and Cower and Fear and Primadox are close to each other, but I think that Switcheroo is much better than yeah. all of those cards. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm completely with you. All right. Um, Jeff said when he emailed me this list that he would take Furnace Whelp, and I don't think he's played the format enough to know how powerful Switcheroo is and how good green is. So, mm -hmm. um, if he had played more, he might had might have had a different different pick. Okay, um, yeah, I can see that. What do you say we do an MTGO cube pick card? Uh, okay, yeah, with the uh, the updated cube. Yeah, or Jeff, any of the updated cards in it? I don't know. Jeff sent this over uh, as well, and so we're just going to dive into it. Pick card, Phyrexian Metamorph or Path to Exile. I would take the Metamorph. So would I. Yeah. As, There's as enough targeted as... removal in the MTGO cube, I think. I've also found that with the kind of decks I like to draft, the path hasn't been terribly relevant. Where, um, all right, maybe I can just get into that later. But the Metamorph is usually just perfectly fine with what I want to do. I usually have a bunch of ramp guys or a bunch <laughs> of top end, and although there are uh, some pretty nice, pretty nice uh, legendary creatures to get at the top end, uh, yeah, the Metamorph. But, I mean, Easy it acts as a removal spell for your opponent's legendary cards, too. Exactly. So it's, it's very good. Exactly. Um, all right, so Metamorph or Sower of Temptation. Kind of similar effects. Yeah. That's um, that's a little tougher. I think if it was this pick one, back one, that's always... I think I would still take the Metamorph and just be it safe. Just because this is a, a preference as to what color I want to play. Mm -hmm. Now that the Sower isn't very powerful, but... You want to stay open in cube draft as long as possible. Yeah. To see what's flowing to you. And Metamorph allows you to do that because it's essentially a colorless card. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I do think the Sower's pretty easy to remove. A two-toughness dude is easy enough to handle a lot of the time. But yeah. anyway, Metamorph or Bone Shredder? Uh, still Metamorph. Yeah, yep, still, still Metamorph, no question. Same, it's kind of the same reason you wouldn't take the Path to Exile over it. It's that there's a lot of redundant removal in the set across almost all the colors. Uh, I wouldn't know. I just play green. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, metamorph or flame tongue kavu? Uh, yeah, still giving it to the metamorph. Um, the last. And this is also going to be uh, results oriented. I'd love to see some stats on it, but the last time that the cube came out, getting into red was just such risky business. It seemed so amazingly overdrafted. I'm sure it's partly due to LSV. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The last up online, but. The last run of Cube, uh, I, I found myself getting into red a lot because really? it was underdrafted, because I kept wow. seeing like late red cards. And I, I, that might be me just seeing a, a variance spike yeah. of some sort, like enough people being afraid of drafting the red deck or, mm -hmm. or the red deck being overdrafted, or just a combination of everybody knowing that ramp is the best strategy or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell <laughs> We're anyone. Not here to inform anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is. 
But that is true. I might take the Kabu here just because I do have a preference for the red deck in mm-hmm. MTGOQ, but I, okay. I couldn't fault you for taking the Metamorph. How about either of those cards versus Bird's Paradise? You do like to ramp. That, that's tougher. Um, God, am I just first picking Birds? I like it that much. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I would take the Birds. As, as crazy as that is, I've been, I just played a lot of games where I don't even know who the hell was playing on the other side of things. I, I didn't care what he was doing. <laughs> Just so long as my, my ramp creatures stayed on the board and he let me cast some cultivates, then I was yeah. fine. And um, usually I've just been ramping and playing some sort of three-color deck. It's usually green, black, X, or something like that. And I'm always fine to play Grizzle Brand. You could <laughs> use a little help casting that guy and Masker Worm and some of the like. So, yeah. Yeah, being able to fix and ramp at the same time is exactly what I want to do. And um, just having that that goldfish draw where you have some elf on turn one and then some other ramp turn three, hopefully a three mana one, and then you've already powered out something absurd on turn three is exactly what I want to do. Do you so. like Birds of Paradise more than, like, Findhorn Elves or Llanowar Elves in the cube because it fixes for colors? Yeah, just because uh, I don't usually think the one power is rel- relevant. Okay. Hey, can you think of a reason why I shouldn't like birds? No, that's kind of why I'm asking. I do think that having power can be relevant. I'm just wondering yeah. if that factors into your thought process at all. You, you're no. looking at those cards as strictly mana rampers. Yeah. And no, not really as And once creatures. again, if you have a random sword or something yeah. like that, that you can... Uh, but, I, I mean, a sword's fine on a bird's paradise, too. In fact, it might exactly. even be better. It's better, so, better on yeah, it. Because so. you get the flyer. Um, all right. So, bird's paradise or creeping tar pit, the blue-black manland. Oh, that was a funny one. Um, I wouldn't even think about them being in the uh, on the same level. I mean, even the tar pit compared to all the other ones to pick out one random random land. I had is the same. I had the same question for Jeff because yeah. he said this is the card he would take. Really? Yeah. He he was to deal with planeswalkers. Is that the idea? Or I think his thought process was one of those staying open. Like I'm going to take a land, take and, and it's also a creature. It's a, that doesn't take up a spot in your deck as far as, like, one of your 23 cards. It also doesn't tap for greens. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I talked to him about it, and I didn't think that the Tar Pit was even close for me. I, th- I, I even told him, like, I think I'd take every card on the list over it, except for probably Bone Shredder. I understand his logic, like, kind of staying open and leaving yourself available. I mean, you and I have had this debate before. We did a cube draft where I wanted to take every dual land I saw yeah. to kind of enable picking up random cards off-color, but I don't think I could justify taking a Manland, something that comes into play tapped, and is kind of in a color combination that I don't see happening in, or working in the cube that often, blue-black. That's so. Yeah, that's true. In the uh, the first showing of the draft, or the first showing of the cube, Jeff and I were drafting Reanimator a lot of the time. We were just doing blue-black Reanimator, and that was, um, in my mind, it was slightly better in the last version. They took out Took out Waterfront Bouncer, which really counted for a bit sometimes for hmm. you just not dying while you're pitching things into the uh, into the yard, as opposed to what we have now. And I guess it's Putrid Imp. Yeah, well, it's not quite the same. <laughs> which is, I mean, sure you get to cast a turn one, pitch it in, and be able to reanimate turn two. Yeah. So you're potentially one turn quicker, which maybe that's relevant. But outside of someone just setting up setting up counter magic or having counter magic up, I wouldn't worry about going off turn two or turn three. Obviously, earlier the better with Reanimator. Yeah. But Je- for just a complete blank, hmm. I think I'd rather wait an extra turn, have the bouncer. Jeff's other uh, argument for the Creeping Tar Pit was that he thought it was the best of the manlands, of that cycle of manlands, because yeah. it was the one he activated the most. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I don't think... I think I'd rather still have the red-black one or the red-green one, just because a lot of the time, the only instances you're going to activate the manland are late in the game when you have a bunch of mana to sink into something like that, and I'd rather have the ability to sink a ton of mana into one of those other two. With that said, the tar pit always gets in. Unblockable is pretty yeah. cool. So, I don't yeah, know. definitely. Uh, anyway, Bird's Paradise or Bloodbraid Elf? Last card. Yeah, I was about to say, about your Raging Ravine, that I don't find I'm in like red-green with any sort of beatiness, any sort of aggression very often. Um, there's not much that gets me into that combination. Bloodbraid would be one of the reasons to get into it, Yeah, but... I, I find that the mono red deck, like sometimes when it's not quite mono, you end up yeah. dipping into either white or green to kind of 
or or black sometimes to augment that aggressive strategy. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's where the Bloodbraid Elf really shines. It's more of a red card than it is a, a green card to me. Yeah, and um, if it was pick one, pack one. If I'm going to be... If I was going to be, let's say, just red and I was going to go for straight red, I think I would just take the Kabu over the Bloodbraid. Yeah. Just because of color considerations. I don't be think you can take a two-color card out of this list if this is pick one, pack one. I think you could take any of the other cards over the Elf. I would say... I mean, uh, of this list, I, I yeah, I, there's there's some two-color cards I think I would take first. Oh, yeah, anyway. I'm just saying as far as this list goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, being in red-green is not anything that I've had much success with or I've seen terribly open. Like you said, the, the mm-hmm. green is an augment to mono-red is something, but I wouldn't go into a draft wanting to have that color combination. Uh, you know, yeah, if I can be, Yeah, if I can be mono-red, I'll be mono-red and be perfectly happy with that. Play a bunch of mountains and cough and sulfuric vortex and just call yeah. it a day. Yeah, exactly. All so, right. yeah. Birds wins, as boring <laughs> as that is, but the ramp deck is really just absurd. It does... I'd probably take the Flametongue Kavu out of this list. But, okay. Uh, with the consider... Like, I'll, I'll admit that I don't think it would be incorrect to take Metamorph or Tar Pit or Birds mm-hmm. over that card. So I think it just comes down to preference for deck, and I want to be playing red. Um, and it sounds like you want to be ramping, so... I want to be playing either. I mean, the red just wasn't there for me. But yeah. this is talking like ten drafts, ten cube this last mm-hmm. this last go around. Play mono red once, and then red white another time, something like that. I found so. my, I found myself getting into aggro decks a lot because I think that the ramp deck was overdrafted. Mm. Uh, so I, I ended up playing a lot of white X aggro decks, kind of focused on mirror entity, which oh, is yeah. absurd. That yeah. card is so good. I kind of forgot how good that card was. I mean, I remember playing with it in whatever that was, Lorwyn. Yes. But, or, God, like, uh, yeah. that plus any other three creatures is just, it's deadly. It's so mm-hmm. good. A run on stick. Yeah. All right, so do you want to break up some pick card lists with some risers and fallers? Sure, sure, let's do it. So this is uh, another segment where we basically talk about cards that have gone up or down in our evaluation since maybe the inception of the set, or even since, like, a week ago based upon our experience playing with them or playing against them. Uh, do you have any risers you particularly want to talk about, Ryan? A particularly good riser right now would be well, Duty Bound Dead. We already mentioned it, but mm-hmm. that guy was a consistent wheel at the start of drafting, right at the start of uh, M13. I think it was being completely overlooked. The, I know the regeneration people... is so expensive on it that it, it's kind of easy to overlook that card. Yeah, which is maybe understandable. Maybe that's how it got a lot of its, a lot of its flack, was that you're not used to spending that much to regenerate, and you feel like that's such a, almost like a, a worthless ability at that point. But what I've really liked about the white-black deck was, uh, the other riser would be Guardians of the Crossa. It's that mm-hmm. you can consistently beat in and get very reliable damage by your guy just being either evasive and very large from all the exalted triggers, or just being too big for them to block, which is a rare occasion. It seems like you usually have an evasive guy if things are going relatively well. Yeah, but, if you uh, drafted your deck correctly. But yeah, the Guardians... they. The Guardians block so damn well, and with Exalted, where you're usually losing a power and a toughness on the base stats in order to get the Exalted ability to have something with an 0-4 butt early on in the, the aggro matchups, the aggro mirror, where you're Exalted in their green X, red X. Yeah, I think blocks Centaur Coursers all day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, three threes are, early three threes are pretty common in mm-hmm. some of these aggro decks, so... Just having the O4 is very relevant, as well as just being able to block the gigantic monsters later with the Duty Bound dead, when you are basically just pinging in with Tormented Soul and just putting the onus on them to, you know, kill the soul or kill your Avon Squire, your Protector, or what have you. This kind of comes back to what I was talking about before, as far as when I think of Exalted, I think of that kind of strategy, where you have a bunch of dudes on the battlefield, and most of them are just good blockers, mm-hmm. and you have one creature that's kind of your default attacker based upon it either yeah. being evasive or very large and that's why i think like it can win fast it can be aggressive in that way but i don't think that the strategy itself like is necessarily about racing your opponent it's more about just kind of grinding them out with like your one evasive dude your one huge dude mm-hmm. while you halt their attacks you yeah. play you play defense more than you play offense with that deck sometimes. okay okay yeah i guess it's uh the phrasing is what i just misunderstood but yeah, yeah the uh the game plays out in a very different fashion than right. any other match. It's, yeah, it's not to say you can't win quickly. It's just to say that the way the way you win is often by just trying to stay alive while your exalted guy gets there. Exactly. So exactly. 
For me, I, I, we mentioned this earlier, but Switcheroo, I remember seeing that on the spoiler and thinking, yeah, it's definitely not as good as Mind Control. And mm-hmm. in my experience so far, it's been almost as good. It, like, a lot closer than I thought it would be. So, I mean, we talked about that earlier. I don't want to get into that a whole lot more. Um, but yeah, Switcheroo's gone up in my evaluation. Yeah. How about you? Did you think it, did you realize it was going to be as powerful as it was upon your first impression? I think I was absolutely right. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no, um, it was, uh, I, I thought it was going to be good. I thought it was going to be very good. I thought it was going to be, as far as I could tell, as close to mind control as any card could be. I mean, cost-wise, mm-hmm. it was cost-wise, it was easier to splash, which I thought maybe had given it a leg up on it. But, but no, I didn't realize just how badly I wanted to draft a deck with Archaeomancer and really just, <laughs> yeah. you know, really just get value out of these cards, especially when you got that and Tallrand's Invocation as just being two of the absolute best uncommons in the format are yep. in blue, and you can rebuy them, and you can just do one rebuy chump block, or yeah. not chump block, switcheroo if need be. And if you can get into another color like red or black with a lot of good instants and sorceries, like between Searing Spear, yeah. like Murder, and uh, what's that? Flames of the Firebrand? Oh god, rebuying yeah. that? Like, if you tailor your deck to the Archaeomancer, that can be a very powerful interaction. Yeah. And Archaeomancer would be the next riser, where I've seen I've seen that deck go off, and it just wins on sheer card advantage mm-hmm. when you're getting two-for-ones off all these spells that the Archaeomancer is already buying back as a two-for-one. Yeah. So you need to have the spells to go with it for that card to be good, but when it works, it's really good. Yeah, as long as you don't die until you are able to play those turn four, turn five, turn six, or such plays mm-hmm. with the Archaeomancer buyback and the two spells, then you should be perfectly fine, because yeah. that's just too many two-for-ones cycled in a row to, for most limited decks to be... To be... To, to beat. Oh, to beat. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, my next riser is one that I got you to begrudgingly play yesterday. The Ring of Colonia. <laughs> the green ring. Like, I didn't... I, it, when I first saw these rings, I'm like, oh, these are all pretty good. But I only really want to play the ones that are going to be good in any deck. Mm-hmm. Namely, the red one. Like, being able to grant haste to any creature you play seems relevant to me. Yeah. And the black one, which being able to grant regeneration to any creature, whether it's black or not, seems good to me. I didn't realize how powerful the ring was going to be in the sense of when you do have the green creatures, like a, a critical mask of green creatures to put it on, how relevant the trample ability is. Yeah. Because yeah. as we discussed earlier, the green creatures are so much bigger that like giving your guy trample and a plus one plus one buff every turn is very strong. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I undervalued it at first, but I, I'm going to be picking that card more highly. I'm in the, I'm in the same boat where I I definitely undervalued it. Like like you said, you begrudgingly made me play it, and it you were playing eight. mono green. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost embarrassing right now. Yeah. But um, I mean, I was fairly, I was fairly aggressive at that point. I mean, double rank or quad prey upon yeah. <laughs> aggressive. So yeah, the Titanic growth seemed like that was perfectly fine with what I was doing there, but. And uh, anytime I got stalled, it was exactly the card I wanted. When things were going well, I didn't necessarily need it. Didn't need it at all. Prey pawns were eating their blockers and, you know, don't need to trample when they got nothing on the board and you just got a slew of rancored up dudes coming in. But, um, yeah, in the the second round where the guy started to stall me out, even in, yeah, in one of the games in the first round, that was exactly what I wanted. You're right. Exactly what I wanted and ended up winning a game outright when won that game three you were watching. Yeah. That was pretty cool, but um, I don't know. Do you have any other risers you, or any fallers you want to talk about? Yeah, fallers. Fallers would be let's see the Augur of Bolas. <laughs> um, I think I'm like one for eleven on that card. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I, I think if you're playing that card, you just have to treat him as a one-three for two, and that's what your deck has to want. I don't think you can count on hitting a, a what is an instant or sorcery. Yeah, it's only it's only three cards too, but um. I mean, you're not really spanning much of your deck. So if you're talking about seeing one-tenth of your deck at a time, I mean, how many instant sorceries do you need to have for you to reliably hit it? Yeah. But really, yeah, if you really draft that deck and it's consistent, say, over half the time, which would be really lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Then, yeah, the card's obviously great, but the one three I haven't found to be terribly relevant. I found, like, being able to block something with three toughness Mm -hmm. has been more what I've wanted to do against the aggro matchups. So 
just having a 1-3 body to block a grizzly bear doesn't seem how combat is going down in this format. Yeah. Or it's an exalted dude with three power or is evasive. It's, you know, some sort of flunky, uh, wolf, bear, mid-range, blue, or green guy. Or it's a flyer. And like the 1-3, just the body has not seemed nearly as relevant as I thought it was going to be. And I yeah. thought it was just going to be a pure value card that was going to be just what I wanted to slow things down, but. I think the step up from three to four toughness is the biggest jump as far yeah. as relevance goes. Like, yeah. cause there are a lot of three threes and a lot of two twos that get plus one plus one from Exalted. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the Acrossa, the Guardians of Acrossa have gone up. Yep. And similarly, a one threes ha- has to go down a little bit just based mm-hmm. upon the other creatures in the format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my follower or my first follower is the Crusader of Audric, the white dude that counts all your creatures. Yeah. Uh, we played some two headed giant on Tuesday. And we had two of those in a, in a very creature-heavy deck, but I didn't really realize until we started playing the games how easy it is to kind of mess with that card mm-hmm. via, like, an unsummon or some other removal spell where you declare some, like, declare some blocks and then use a spell to get rid of one of their other creatures, and then suddenly your Crusader is minus one, minus one, and you're trading instead of, like, eating something. Yeah. And... It's yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the Primadox where I've seen the seen it be a little bit more of a liability more often You've than seen it at its worst. Yeah, sure. I've seen it at its worst, and I mean not to say that like I don't think the card's playable because I think it is. Mm-hmm. I just it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. It's yeah. a little easier to disrupt than I originally anticipated. Yeah, I've thought about the same thing. The two HD example was particularly tough because you're playing it's two yeah, two people with the opportunities yeah. to really mess it up. But I mean, that, I think that helped illustrate why that card wasn't as good as I thought it was. Because even in a head-to-head match, just single players, there are enough of those spells that can kind of screw with the Crusader that I think I need to. I had to take it down a peg. Mm-hmm. Last riser I would have would be Chandra's Fury. That's or a riser for you. That's a that's a big riser for me. It's one of my followers. <laughs> you would do high of expectations. <laughs> yeah, I really did. Like I, I thought that the mine or the one damage to all creatures was going to be a little more relevant. I found that there are plenty of X ones in the format, but kind of like we talked about with um, Cower and Fear, the Fury often only hits maybe one or two dudes on the board. Like outright kills them, mm-hmm. um, which would be. I mean, if it hits two dudes. Oh yeah, no, you're you're amazing. stoked. If it's one dude, I'm fine with it. Yeah, if it, hit, it hits one dude, and, it, and it, I mean, but really, you kind of—it's just a worse lava axe to me. To me, that's it's the a problem. Better, that's that's the thing. To me, it's a much better lava axe. Where it seems like enough a percentage of the time, it's eating one guy for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to mention that instant speed is fairly relevant. But yeah, if you can eat just one guy for free, then that one extra chump blocker has to represent, you know, saving at least one point of damage. So if it, it was just saving one point in the worst case scenario, then it brings it up the lava axe. It's instant speed lava axe that's also, also removed a guy. So one extra yeah, guy. I hadn't really thought about it say. like that. That's but interesting. Like, if, you know, if it was going to chump a 2-2 or something like that, then it's automatically better, more damage than a lava axe on that turn. Okay. And it eats a dude. I've, I, Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about it in the wrong way. In, in my mind, when I think of Chandra's Fury, I think that kind of spell... Chandra's Fury, Lava Axe, I want to cast those and just win with it. I want to do the last four or five points of damage. And the fact that Chandra's Fury only does four and Lava Axe did five, mm-hmm. like, makes me think that Lava Axe gave me just that slight extra amount of reach, and that's why I like it more. Okay. But and what but you're talking about is just kind of a, a net damage gain, a net yeah. life gain. And I, I can I can get behind that. That's I hadn't really thought about it in that way. That seems smart. That's how that's how a lot of games have played out for us. Yeah. I also had Roaring Primadox on my followers list, so you and I are oh yeah button heads today. Uh, we should get into the same draft pod. It seems like we're not going to have any conflict at this. Point. Yeah, I mean we didn't on yeah on Tuesday, but um, uh, yeah, I mean we talked about how I think that card can be a bit of a liability. Like, and again, I think that the card is still very good and very powerful, but it's not the like play a hundred percent of the time windmill slam it into my pile mm-hmm. card that I thought it might have been at the beginning of uh, the format. We've been going for about 50 minutes. You got time for yeah, another pick-a-card list? All right. Um, this is one that I came up with, and let's see. We'll, we'll try and run through this fast. Uh, pick-a-card, Prey Upon, or Captain's Call? Prey Upon. Okay. Not close? Not even close. Didn't right. have to think about and it. Let's, let's just keep going. Prey Upon or Courtly Provocateur? Still Prey Upon. Okay. Is that color preference, or you just don't like the Provocateur much? I think the Prey Upon is 
pretty close to just a one mana. Just a little Doom Blade? Instant speed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorcerer <Air> speed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, removal spell. With, you know, and you got four fours that are easily cast on turn four and mm-hmm. three threes and whatnot, where you can just pick off any one guy that's in the way and yeah. still curve out. I mean, one is just, yeah, the one is just perfect. A perfect amount. So you eat a guy yeah. and play another dude. And it doesn't impact your turn, doesn't impact your curve. It's definitely. Tour, I've seen. I've seen go off about once. Okay. About once. <laughs> I haven't played with it. I like. I really like the card in theory. I really want to give it a try, but I haven't been able to squeeze one into my decks yet. Um, Prey Pawn or Hellion Crucible. Oh. Um, here's here's so... where Jeff's card that doesn't take up a spot in your deck argument comes into play. Like, how yeah. high do you value that in M13? The Crucible. Yeah. Pretty pretty damn highly, but I'd still take Prey Pawn. This is probably color preference right now, mm-hmm. and uh, that I still take a removal over what's essentially a free spell later. More or less a free spell later. I've, yeah. uh, I've played it as the 17th land in a deck that would otherwise probably just want 16 land, because I just had to consider color. Yeah. But okay. I could see I could see myself being convinced otherwise. I'd love to hear what you, other people think, too. I think I would take the Crucible over it, and I do think it's close. Um, I think that having the land that or, or a, a creature in your deck, quote-unquote, that doesn't take up one of your 23 cards is very powerful, but at the same time, I found that just the fact that it only taps for colorless mana is a bit of a problem sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Because I am splashing a fair amount in M13 so far, and when you're doing that, you can't really afford to play colorless lands, um, especially in red, because red tends to be one of the more color-hungry colors with the... Fire breathers and just a lot of the spells are double red, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think I'd still take the rare here just because I think that a four four haste that doesn't take up a spot in your deck is a little better than just a one for one removal spell. That and I mean, prey upon can be situational. Like there are times when it doesn't hit, but if you are playing red and you have a Hellion crucible, like you're always gonna be able to get there. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I guess for you, the next one is prey upon or shimmy inspector. Oh. That's tougher. That's a lot tougher. I haven't uh, I haven't played the Spectre in this format yet. Yeah, so. me neither. That's kind of why I put it on the list. I just didn't wanted to hear in the vacuum. Yeah, what this you would, yeah, this, this would be in the vacuum. I think I would still take the removal spell. I, I th- think I would slam either the Prey Upon or the Crucible over that card. Yeah, okay, like a two-two flyer for four. Like we, I already kind of talked about how I think the Furnace Whelp is a little overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can't fire breathe. I mean, it has the upside of being able to get cards out of their hand, but by the time you're attacking with this on turn five, they either might not have something in your hand that you really care about, or they'll be able to deal with it because it's a 2-2 period, like it doesn't have any way to protect itself. Yeah, maybe it eats a couple cards, but it comes down in a turn too late, right? Where by the time it actually starts to get in there, they may not even have much left in their hand or anything left in their hand that's worth worth taking. All right, so last is Prey Upon or Ring of Zathrid, which is the Black Ring. Uh, the Black Ring is actually my favorite ring. I think uh, it's the I, best one. Yeah. I think I would still take the Prey Upon, and this is just there's probably as close as you can get, but I've seen the ring I've seen the ring take over some games, especially in uh, some of the grindy black-white games, where it's just, you know, you put it on a dude, on a, you put it on your Tormented Soul, or... Oof. Bats, Nighthawk, you know, something of the sort. It gets in there, it gets the extra counter, it gets in for one more, it just moves it over to the Guardians or something else. And, uh, you know, yeah, when you don't have the Duty Bound dead, by the switch and the yeah. re-equip, you, like, you know, save a mana on regen or something like that. It's It's been, it's been everything that, uh... I would, I would I take would the, ring the ring over the Hellion Crucible and over the Prey Upon. I think it's very, very powerful. That powerful. I've seen it win games on non-black creatures. Just yeah, being just able to give something regenerate for two colorless mana is pretty friggin' good in a core set. Mm-hmm. So you're still taking Prey Upon, though? I could be convinced otherwise, but yeah, color preference and okay. the aggro preference makes me say Prey Upon. Gotcha. All right, uh, another quick list? Sure. Okay. Uh, Primal Hunt Beast or Liliana of the Dark Realms? <laughs> would you like that's the best list ever. Would you would you like the mythic black card or would you like the oh. green dude? <laughs> oh god. All right. Here's where your color it, preference really not, comes into play. It's not that bad. I'll still take the the Liliana, the Liliana. And I know this is always in the uh you're not keeping the cards. This is, you know, yeah, just for the winning the draft or redraft rare or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I'll, I'll still take the Liliana, I think, if it's just a removal spell. How close is it for you? That's what I really want to God, know. embarrassingly close. Yeah, I know. That's, that's <laughs> embarrassing the scary for part. That card is just well, a bunch of poo. She's really just a removal spell, in my experience. She, it's like you play her, and then you kill her immediately to take out one of your opponent's creatures. Like, I, and Prey Pun does it better. <laughs> yeah, I, for three mana less. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that the uh, searching up a swamp thing is that relevant in draft. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, I think we're both still taking it, because it is a removal spell. And the Hexproof guy is good, but I'll, you got to take removal over so that. Like Primal Hunt Beast is the Hexproof guy. The 3-3 three three, three Hexproof. What did you think it was? Uh, I was thinking it was the 4-2 Trample. Uh, see, now you're, oh, now you're thinking about closer. it. I know, it's, it's close, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I might take that back soon. You, yeah, you want to take Hunt Beast? I'll let you. I, I think that they're close. That's why I put them on the list together. Yeah, the thing is, like I was saying, I've been pairing green with black, and... uh you can God, play either of these cards in green black. the mark on the, oh, uh, the God, mark of the vampire. Been, yeah, just absurd. Every single time I've done that, the game is over. Okay. I mean, are you going to switch your pick? <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Liliana. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Primal Hunt Beast or another one of your favorites, Rocks Faithmender. You want to gain some life? Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think people should take the Faith Mender just to see if you can brew something up that's completely <laughs> ridiculous and see if you can get there with it. I smell of forcing the issue sometime <laughs> yeah. in the future. Yeah, there's there's definitely a few rares that are just so ridiculous just by the sheer just the chance to to get them to work, the chance to build that insane draft combo deck that you uh, that you'll remember for the end of your days. Uh, think, again, that's I think more I of a have having... to take something absurd over. Old three three hexproof, which you know, it's the curse of Ryan Hogan right there. That he yeah. has to take the silly card over the uh, <laughs> Liliana or over the Primal Hunt Beast. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to gain some life. All right, uh, so I mean, are you taking that card here? Or are you gonna? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Faith Man. Oh boy, you are crazy. I know. All right, uh, I'm still on Liliana, I think, but uh, Faith Mender or Sleep. <laughs> I I would take the Sleep. I would take the yeah. Yeah, I think I would take the sleep. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it win enough games in this format again. Where I'll take it. I'll take the double falter. Okay. Yeah, um, that's good enough. Sleep or turn to slag. Um. Hmm. Do you want the guaranteed removal spell? And you know, I, I we've think talked I'm about take the sleep. It's okay. just because I don't value the turn to slag quite as high as I normally would. In, in red, I I haven't. Always uh, played every turn dislike that I've gotten. Maybe that was wrong, but the curve. Is no, I think that that's correct. I that think I, you always play every copy. Yeah, I, I had two. I played one and felt felt okay about that. Okay, um, uh, sleep, so, sleep or vampire nighthawk. Uh, still nighthawk. Yeah. Okay, nighthawk easy. No, those like nighthawk over all these nighthawk, cards. Nighthawk's pretty easy. Uh, okay, like in love it in black white, getting the exalted going. Love it in black green with uh. With anything that I can play angry. Yeah. Prey Pawns are never bad death touch, although... Three toughnesses. I'm usually not going to trade up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would just take the Nighthawk. Okay, yeah, I think that that is the card I would take as well, and maybe it shouldn't have been on this list. But you would take Sleep over all the the other four cards, Hunt Beast, Liliana, Faith Mender, and Turn to Slag? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know about over Hunt Beast, because I was taking the Sleep over the, the Oh, Faith the Faith Mender. Yeah. <laughs> so what we can really say is that you, you like Hunt Beast the, probably the most other than Nighthawk on that list. Yeah, the point is, man, just draft green. Play green? <laughs> All right, I could I could be in. All right, I got one more list. You, okay. got, you got some time? Uh, what time is it? It's 12.01. Yeah, I got a few minutes. All right, here we go. We're going to run well, through this one, What too. would you have taken out of uh, the last one, out of Sleep and... Um, uh, sleep and uh, I, I, I'm wondering if I have my kind of Mythic Rare or removal blinders on i i still think i'd take the liliana over all those cards but with that said i think sleep and hunt beast are both very close is liliana better than nighthawk if that's what no I no i think i think the nighthawk is a clear choice there okay for good. me at least good yeah um it just Unless there's something i was it just does on. more it does absolutely more like it can be a removal spell it can be a tempo play uh like you said it's good with basically any other combination yeah. of cards it's just always good it can win on Whereas its own sometimes liliana is not always good. And, I mean, with that in mind, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself into the Hunt Beast over Liliana as well. Just yeah. in the sense that a 3-3 Hexproof for 4 
in a color in which Rancor exists and like Mark of the Vampire, Tricks of the Tricks Trade. Tricks of the Trade. There are just so many good kind of hexproof oriented targets. Like, even putting the plus two plus two and Mountain Walk card on it mm-hmm. is seems really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I won't advocate playing creature enchantments that often, but if you have two hunt beasts in your deck, like I think it gets a lot easier. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'd I'd probably take I'd definitely take the Nighthawk out of that list, but I'd probably take Hunt Beast or Liliana over Sleep, yeah. as as of right now, and that has a little bit to do with just kind of consistency concerns. Okay, so I can see that because yeah. there are some games like when you're behind, when Sleep is basically just a really bad fog. Um, anyway, well, last list. This one's gonna go quick. Pick a card, Vile Rebirth or Negate. Oh, is this like is this bottom of the barrel? Right we're, now, we're yeah, we're kind of scraping scraping here. Okay, uh, I guess we'll take the Negate. Just, you think it's a little more I would take consistent, a neg- little more versatile? Or? I would take the negate because I want to play a bunch of essence scatters too. Usually if I'm playing blue and if I want counter spells, I like to have some of the each. option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I'm passing on a turn, I have all my bases covered. Yeah. I think both of these cards are probably, quote unquote, online about the same amount of time. Well, essence scatter, I'd say a little more. I mean, all decks are over. Well, I'm talking about negate versus rebirth. Oh, okay. Val, actually, yeah. I can't remember. Does Val Rebirth have to pick off a creature? Or yeah, it's a creature. It's uh, okay, never creature. mind. Yeah, I'd definitely take the Negate. Um, I thought it was just any card from the graveyard for some reason. All right, uh, Negate or War Falcon? Uh, I would take the War Falcon. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty easy one. I was a little skeptical about the card at first, but I've started to realize that if you want to turn the card on, you can do you're it. fighting someone directly to your right, maybe two away, you should be able to get enough knights and soldiers over the course of the draft that mm-hmm. that card can be can lead to some really abusive draws. War Falcon, Avon Squire, Squire exactly. is a pretty... I mean, and then anything on turn three, like Guardians turns it on, and then a Captain's Call on turn four turns yeah. it on, and Attended gives you some redundancy. You, yeah, yeah, one of each. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's like one the rest half. of the game. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the Falcon's gone up in my evaluation, and I... The fact that it can block even if it's not turned on is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so War Falcon or Wild Guess? Uh, how much? How much do you want to dirtle, Ryan? Uh, still the War Falcon. Okay. Definitely. Have um, you have you played with the Wild Guess at all? I, I have. I've played with it in um, in Red Blue deck, and it might have might have should have been out of the deck just because uh, yeah. I had some, some double blue spells as well, and I didn't want to mess the mana. But with Rummaging Goblin, I pretty much always would. Well, I would definitely always play the Rummaging Goblin over the Wild Guess. I don't know how many, I don't know, Agents of Molos I would have to have <laughs> in order for me to want to play that card over a Goblin if it came down to that cut. But, yeah, when Red's already got a Looter again, as Red has been last two paired sets. with Blue, yeah, the yeah. last couple sets. If, yeah, if you're going to be pairing it, if you're already going to have a Looter, what sort of deck are you going to have where, what color pairing are you going to have where you want to play the Wild Guess? Are you going to be, if you're red-green, you're probably going to be, I would guess you're going to be more green. In my experience, there's just many more playables yeah. that, uh, that fit that deck, in which case, you're probably aggressive, and you don't necessarily want the guess. If you're red-blue, you've already got Goblin and Divination. For drawing cards, you, have, you just have better options. So, in that case, it's second tier. Red black, you probably aggro again, and you got sign and blood, which is better, and hopefully once again would be more black. Yeah, I I've cut wild guess every time I've played red and okay. had it in my sideboard. I don't think it's it's a card I do not want to play. Um, as opposed to actually, I vile rebirth is probably on that same level, but negate and war falcon are cards that I do not mind jamming into my deck if mm-hmm. I can support them. Mm-hmm. So we know how much you love a roaring paradox. Uh, pick a card, roaring paradox. What? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Uh, War Falcon or Bond Beetle? Ah, uh, this is. Um, I would take the Falcon. I would. Uh, yeah, I would still definitely take the Falcon. The Falcon's more important for the deck when it can get turned on. It's more consistently good. And let, let me, I don't, let me I don't put know it how many way. times I'm going to play. If I play more than one Bond Beetle in a deck, uh-huh. I'd probably have some absurd red green curve going on where I'm just mono one and two drops, <laughs> and the Beetle is somehow fine. And it's going to be trumpet blasted. Would later you on, so. would you ever play Bond Beetle if you didn't have a Roaring Primadox in your deck? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I could see it. Like like I said, if it's a very very aggro green X, and I can really only think probably green red right now, where yeah. I have a bunch of flunkies and I just want early drops to begin with. 
Okay. And I can play Trumpet Blast in that deck. That's definitely a... Maybe it shouldn't be a riser, but maybe it's just because of my preference of playing a lot of green and then falling into red pretty consistently that the blast becomes good, as in picking aggro cards over... You know, picking Arbor Elves over Sentinels, and you're fine to play Bond Beetles. All of a sudden, this random Trumpet Blast becomes like, the Lava Axe of the Century. Yeah. So. Trumpet Blast feels like a white-red card to me with... With the with, token. Yeah, yeah, the Captain's Call, but... Yeah. Um, all right, so last one, War Falcon or and, and bear with me here, an on color dual land, like a not not a dual land that enables a splash, but a dual land that's actually in both of your colors. Does uh, that make so sense? This, so this couldn't even be pack one, but this is just yeah. Well, I mean, most of these cards you wouldn't have to worry about pick one pack one. This would be like kind of later in the pack. You see a vile rebirth and a gate, a War Falcon, a wild cast, a Bond Beetle, and some dual land okay, that's in so... both of your colors. How, how, how high would you buy value? If I were to be in white, and it yeah. was a white, uh, you know, white green, white blue land. Uh huh. Um, so I guess that's the assumption was, here. If I was white green, would I play the War Falcon? I guess that would that would have to be. It depends on how heavy yeah, you are. No, in that each would color. have to be what I had before. It's, it's so dependent to just say what I would take over it. I don't know if I would just take the Falcon and try and make it work right there. Mm-hmm. If I was white green, I wouldn't want necessarily picks to be dictated to make a falcon work, I think I would rather just have the color fixing at that point. Okay. Now, um, if it was something that enabled a splash, would that change your answer even more? Like, if you had maybe picked up a, what's that black card, a public execution, and you're staring at, like, a a white, or maybe not white, like, let's say you're white, blue. And you got the blue-black land. And you have land. the blue-black land staring back at you. Would you take the falcon, or would you take that card? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I would take the uh, the land, in that case, again. Okay. Um... There's some pretty nice splashable cards. Oh, for in sure. This format. I mean, murder being double black opposed to Doomblade makes black a little more insulated than it has in the past. When the I think premier that's a good removal, thing. it's yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But there, there are more cards. Like I said, we talked about Switcheroo. We talked about just now public execution, uh, searing spear, mm-hmm. very splashable. Yeah, flames, flames, the, yeah, spasms, O rings. Yep, Switcheroos. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that the fixing. While I don't usually value it super high in corset because you tend to often just be two colors with pretty decent mana, I do think that in this situation when you're choosing between some form of fixing and like kind of a end of the pack war falcon or negate, you're yeah. probably just taking the the land yeah, most of the, the time. And the example you gave there was being in two colors that don't doesn't have green, doesn't have the free far seek yeah. to get to the drops that you really might want to be hitting in a three-color, slower green deck, which is right around the four and five spot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, if I was white-blue and I was going to chance... I had a chance to get fixing in colors that don't have fixing, then I think I would just take that. Although, if you're base white-blue, maybe you do have enough flyers where that's completely incorrect, and I shouldn't be True. worrying about it. But. True. It's, I, th- I think it's, it's kind of a hard thing to quantify if you don't know which land it is and what colors you are mm-hmm. to compare it to a card like War Falcon, which is very specifically one color. Like, it's almost a mono-white card, considering you're not going to get knights and soldiers from other yeah. colors. Yeah, black has black has the Knight of Infamy. Yeah, add uncommon. Add, un- add uncommon, exactly. And then, does anyone else make soldiers? There That's might be, like, know. a blue soldier somewhere, like a bird soldier. I'm pretty sure the Fairy Invaders is not a soldier. Nope. Which is funny because, like, the previous... Or not... I'm Never mind. I'm thinking of the one from Lorwyn, the 3-4... Or, or the 2-3 Flash Flyer. That was a fairy soldier. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember what that Yeah, I can't called. remember what it was called either. But um, it's a similar card. Anyway, that's it uh, for all of our pick card lists. Thanks for uh, hanging out today, Ryan. Yeah, I know man. that you're busy today, and it was cool that we could squeeze this into your schedule. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... It's a busy schedule, but I just try and forget about all my responsibility. It seems to work out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you've been listening to East West Draftcast. If you would like to email us, you can send something to eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at EWDraftcast. Jeff is on there occasionally. His Twitter handle is at JeffEWDC. You can look us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash EW Draftcast, and you can check out our website, which, as you might imagine, is eastwestdraftcast.com. That's all I've got, Ryan. Do you uh, want to chime in at all? Before I, I we... wish I had more time, but that's all for today. Um, yeah, like I, like I said, play green. Just, <laughs> just try and force it. I mean, 
It's, I, I know we didn't get a chance to do a forcing the issue segment, but I'd be more than happy to record a draft video sometime soon and just show that just taking all the green cards seems to be a perfectly reasonable play. Okay, and if you do that, we'll post that on Facebook, on the website. We'll get it up there. So, yeah, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for that, listeners. And, yeah, thanks for checking us out. We'll talk to you later.